Little honeybees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butterbeans, peas, beets, and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with the striped stick bean, a bean that comes from the last residence of Cades Cove, Kermit and Lois Colrin. We visit today with John and Rachel Davis, owners of J&R Farm in Blount County, Tennessee, and they are both descendants of the original residents of Cades Cove and whose family have raised and saved this heirloom bean for generations. And also from a recording I made in 2019, we'll hear from John's grandmother, Ruth Davis, and his great-grandmother, Lois Corrin, who is the widow of Kermit Corrin. The Carrens are known as the last family that lived in the cove, and they'll tell us about how Kermit loved fruit, his orchard, and how they cooked on a wood stove, as there wasn't any electricity in the cove, and how Kermit loved to make what he called do. For his potluck radio series, Fred Sossman recalls Tennessee food memories of the Franklin Club and Raymond Bautista, an immigrant from the Philippines and former owner of the restaurant Raymond's Fine Foods. He also shares Raymond's recipe for coleslaw. And Raymond's Fine Foods was inducted to the Tennessee Restaurant Hall of Fame. Thank you so much for your good company here today. I really appreciate you tuning in. Now let's get started. Today, we are going to the base of the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Blount County. We visit today with a young farming family, John and Rachel Davis, owners of J&R Farm in Maryville, Tennessee. And I'm real excited to have them as frequent contributors to the Tennessee Farm Table. They are both descendants of families who were residents of Cades Cove, which is now part of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Rachel and John Davis are carrying on the old-time food and farming ways of their ancestors from Cades Cove, and today we'll be visiting with Rachel and John, hear about their growing up, their kin, and one of the things we'll talk about today is the striped stick bean that came from John's great-grandfather, Kermit Colrin. Rachel keeps a blog with her stories, 
history and recipes and news of their family farm at jnrfarmstn.com. In this visit, you'll hear us refer to Kermit, and we're referring to Kermit Corrin, who is the fifth descendant generation from the pioneers of Cades Cove, John L. Oliver, and Robert and Margaret Shields. Kermit was born in the Cove in 1912 and passed away in 1999, and his house was the last privately inhabited residence in Cades Cove, and it was demolished in 2002. You'll also hear the name Lois referred to, and that is Kermit's widow. That is Lois Corrin. She's living here still in Blank County, and Kermit and his wife Lois were residents of Cades Cove all of their lives, and that is now part of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Kermit had a few titles that he was known as to visitors of the park, and some of them include Mr. Cades Cove and the Bee Man. John and Rachel and their family still raise the beam that Kermit raised and keep the legacy of Kermit Corrin going through this heirloom beam. Let's visit now with John and Rachel and hear about them, their growing up, and their deep connections to farming and this land here in East Tennessee. And let's hear about the striped stick bean from Kermit Corrin. And, uh, yeah, so our families have always known each other, and then we were in kindergarten together, first grade together, and he gave me a little valentine in first grade. And my mama kept it. It was in our, she blew it up, put it so in our wedding. it was wedding. in our wedding. Yeah. But we didn't start dating until after high school, because yeah. he went to Seymour High School, I went to Heritage, and mm-hmm. yeah. so we just never, but I saw, I saw him out he, they lived on the road in a white house on Illinois Road and I drove by one day because I had to drive by their house to get home and he was out picking beans and I said hmm <laughs> yeah. I said he might be the man for me <laughs> so anyways now um so how long have y'all been married seven years in August that's wonderful that's really good now you've got how many kids again three three now what 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 are their names again we've got Four-year-old John John, two-and-a-half-year-old Judah, and seven-month-old Jackson. Oh, they're adorable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> they're a mess. <laughs> now, you were telling me, um, I was reading that you grew up down the road from each other, right? Right. Kind of, is that right? About two miles away from each other. <laughs> okay. And uh, you were saying that, that John here grew up on a cattle farm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Grandpa John, he, uh, he died back in 2011. But... Uh, it was uh, his daddy's before him. It was a five-generation farm there. There's about 300 acres or so, something like that. Um, but it's got passed down now. It's to my dad and my uncle. My mamaw, Ruth, still live. Still living still there? Still living there. She lives out with her her mother, my grandma, uh, Kermit's wife, uh, Lois Cawhorn. So is Lois still with us? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. I'd love to visit with Lois sometime. Oh yeah, she she lives out on uh, on uh, Piney uh, Level. Piney Level. Oh really? Yeah. Piney Level Church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh nice. When when, uh, when the park come in, Kermit bought land uh, out there off Piney Level, oh. and uh, they've got acres out there. Kay, uh, Roy, uh, all of them still around have have land out there. Rachel, and then you grew up two miles away from John here, uh-huh. and y'all farm too, right? With well, ca- beef cattle? Or? Um, my, my grandpa 
Abbott and my great-granddaddy Abbott lived off West Miller's Cove, and they always farmed, and they had Herefords. So my daddy just had three or four, as I was growing up, cattle. But it was just, you know, hobby, mm-hmm. hobby farming. I so, like how um, John was whispering, hobby farming. Yeah, yeah. we weren't a big operation <laughs> whatsoever, and my the, daddy's the not pets, really. That's what they raise. <laughs> yeah, he's not really into, yeah. Yeah, he's not in dealing with livestock too awful much, but, and then, um, I talked him into getting some Highland cattle when I was 12 or 14, something like that, so we had them Highland, Highlanders for a while. That's probably the first time I've come to your house. Yeah, yeah. Me and my sister went up to, uh, AI, those, uh. Highlanders. They you know, the, the hairy the Scottish Highlanders with the long hair in their face and the horns. That's yeah. I, I always wanted those, so that's that's all the farming we did. But my my great-grandparents owned that farm in West Miller's Cove, and that's kind of where we come from. So, If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and we're visiting today with John and Rachel Davis, a farming family in Blount County, Tennessee. Rachel keeps a blog with her stories, recipes, and news of their family farm life, and they are descendants of residents who lived in Cades Cove, which is now Great Smoky Mountains National Park. After a short break, we'll hear about the striped stick bean, which was passed down through John's line of the family and preserved and attributed to Kermit Corrin. And Kermit and his wife Lois were the last inhabitants of Cade's Cove until their house was demolished in 2002. This is Chef John Fleer of Rhubarb in Asheville, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table on East Tennessee Zone, WDVX. So let's hear about this striped stick bean right now. Well, y'all are such a cute couple, and and you've been farming for how long? He's been farming forever. Yeah. And then <laughs> since you're a little bitty, yeah, little kid, yeah, been farming for. I guess what you said. One of your earliest memories is of your great grandpa down um, working cattle. With everybody. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was born into it. Grandpa always had uh, cattle uh, going, uh, growing up there. My uh, great-grandpa, John Sr., I'm the fourth. Uh, he died when I was two uh, down the Little River. He drowned. And he had cattle mm-hmm. before. So dad growed up in it. My uncle growed up in it. Grandpa, so it's always been been around mostly just beef cattle up there yeah but i started gardening when i was real young uh, i always liked to grow a garden yeah and um that come from kermit because yeah. he was he was um, a great gardener yeah. so that's yeah. where that comes yeah. from with him tell me about those beans you're growing at his uh striped stick bean is what uh what grandpa I always I've been I've grown them for several years, and you're not supposed to grow them uh, with with any other bean because they will uh, cross pollinate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so ever so often, I always have to go back to my uncle Roy Roy Collin and uh, have to get some more fresh beans because I never fail to ever forget. I won't forget about it. I said, well, mm-hmm. I'd like to this person over here wants some white half runners. Well, I'll just grow some white half runners with them, and I'll save the seed and. 
And uh, so this year I've got to go back to Roy again and uh, get me some, uh, and we're just going to grow the, the striped stick beans. But they've been in the family longer than I can remember. I'm 28, and uh, I guess he's always, from what I, you know, I probably hear more than I remember myself, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh What's that bean look like? Like, what's the physical characteristic of it, like, when you pick it off the vine? Uh, it's a long bean, and uh, it's got a real good crisp uh, snap to it. Mm -hmm. And when you string those beans, you know, like a white half runner, when you go to string it, sometimes the, the string is fine in it, and you don't know if you get it all, and you'll still end up with some a little bit of string in there. Yes. And you'll first say, who, who strung the beans, you know. Uh, Rachel does all the time, but uh, the striped stick bean, when you string them, it's like, I mean, it's not a shoestring, but you know you got that string out, and uh, yeah. they snap up real good, and you can work up a bushel of them in no time. They're a bigger, rounder bean. The bean itself, when it dries, uh, will be kind of a light brown with stripes uh on on that bean mm. the the husk of the bean or the shell of the bean is just when you're when you're doing it to for, for green beans it's just a, mm -hmm. a green uh shell on it do you do you string them on strings like leather bridges the drum uh, yeah well a lot of times i'll leave them on the vine uh -huh. and uh and you know when they they, they dry out i'll pick them then i'll put them on some uh, newspaper mm -hmm. and just set them in here in the winter time we all we have is wood heat and it, you know how wood heat is, it just dries everything out. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, just shell them out and put them in the freezer and, uh, and, and keep them. Yum. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And we have been visiting today with John and Rachel Davis of Blount County, Tennessee, owners of J&R Farm. And I'm real excited to have them as frequent contributors to the Tennessee Farm Table. They are both descendants of the original residents of Cades Cove, which is now part of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and this young farming family is intent on practicing, sharing, and preserving the old-time Appalachian ways that have been passed down through generations before them. Rachel keeps a blog about her stories and recipes, and she has all kinds of recipes she's always developing, and news about their farming, J and R Farms. TN.com. There's also an organization in Blount County, Tennessee called the Cades Cove Preservation Association. And in this building where all of these archives are housed, there are numerous photographs of Kermit and Lois Carran on display with priceless pictures and artifacts of the people who made Cades Cove their home before they were displaced by the formation of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And so I put links to John and Rachel and the Cades Cove Preservation Association on my website, along with all my guests and events that I mention here in the show, and that is TennesseeFarmTable.com. Kermit Corrin was also known as Mr. Cades Cove or the Bee Man. He kept bees and shared his honey, and he was known to visit with countless 
tourists and visitors of Cades Cove while their home still stood in the cove. He shared his striped stick beam that we're talking about today with a young couple from Michigan, and that's a whole story in itself about how they preserved this very same bean year after year in Michigan, and a Michigan seed saver named Ben Cohen of Small House Farm collected this bean from this couple and brought it all the way back to Tennessee to the Cates Cove Preservation Association. Ben Cohen from Small House Farm has a limited amount of this seed from Kermit's Striped Stick Bean available on his website, and I put a link to that in the podcast notes along with all the other links for this show on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. And next up, we're going to hear from John Davis's grandmother, Ruth Davis, along with her mother, Lois Corrin. And again, Ruth is the daughter of Kermit and Lois Corrin. And here, Ruth describes walking into the kitchen of her parents' home in the 80s with Kermit and Lois cooking on the wood stove and describing how Kermit loved fruit, his orchard that he planted, and the concoction that Kermit loved to make and share what he called do. I went up one day in late August or early September. I can't remember now. It was in the 80s, I guess, late 80s. And um, I, I walked in the kitchen, and Mom and Dad were both there in front of that wood stove, and they had three or four kettles on top of the stove cooking. Daddy liked to make what he called do. He'd mix everything, all kinds of fruits, blueberries and apples and rhubarb or whatever. And 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 they, I'll bet you it was 120 or 30 degrees in that kitchen. Oh, it was terrible. That would make me kind of long for some modern air conditioning. Oh, you don't know how much I wanted it. But I just couldn't get it. They they never did have the electricity in the cove. Boy, I bet. Tell me a little more about him making do. I don't know why. He, he loved honey, and he ate it, like I said, three meals a day. But he loved fruit. And I'm going to do a little bird walking here because we talked or mentioned Christmas and Thanksgiving. Christmas to him was fruit and candy and I wish we'd go back to that now but he would get um, a big stalk of bananas or later a big box of bananas a box of red delicious apples a box of oranges and then orange slice candy um, the chocolate cream drops and nuts walnuts and mixed nuts and, and that's what and in some hard mix, grocery mix candy or whatever you call that, the different pieces of candy. And at night after supper, after we had the dishes washed and everything, we'd go to the living room and, and he'd pass out all the fruit and then candy to us every night till it, till it was gone. And um, so he, he loved fruit. He had an orchard over behind the house above the barn there with the uh, peach trees pear, apple, blueberries, strawberries, and grapes. Peach trees in front of the house and an apple tree and beside the house and above the house. So, you know, f- fruit was real important to him. Grapes in the garden and rhubarb and strawberries. And, mm-hmm. But everything there in the late summer that, that was still bearing 
he'd mix it all together. Mommy, he, Daddy would mix it all together to make his yeah, dew. Yeah, he'd uh, take grapes and, and apples, uh, you know, like apple butter and what else would he put in it? Blueberries. Blueberries. Yeah. And mm. it's just a mixture, and he called it his dew. <laughs> <laughs> and when you came to see him, he'd go get one of those jars and get a spoonful of here try this try this oh well we'd try it but some people weren't quite so brave john didn't know sometimes whether to taste it or not <laughs> he was a busy man wasn't he kermit mm-hmm. he he didn't really sit around much at all did he I, no on, on the winter time they'd go out early in the morning it'd be close lunch time when they come in wouldn't you? feed the and, cattle uh, and check the cows yeah. and but uh, and then he'd sit he around. Was almost busy, something. I bet. Mm-hmm. And you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and that was the voice of Lois Schuler Colrin, widow of Kermit Colrin, known as the last family that lived in Cades Cove, along with her daughter Ruth Colrin Davis. Up next, we hear from Fred Sossman. His potluck radio series today features. Tennessee Memories of the Franklin Club and of Raymond Bautista, former owner of the restaurant Raymond's Fine Foods, and I'll also share Raymond's recipe for coleslaw. And Raymond's Fine Foods was inducted into the Tennessee Restaurant Hall of Fame. The Franklin Club, operated by North American Rayon Corporation, hosted many stylish dinners, dances, and other first-class functions in Elizabethton, Tennessee, from the 1930s until the 1970s. In 1934, young Raymond Batista, a native of the Philippines, visited North American Rayon's New York City office and was hired to move to Elizabethton and be the club's chef. He had learned to cook in the Merchant Marines, where he also honed his skills as a flyweight boxer. The Franklin Club quickly became a go-to spot in Upper East Tennessee for a nice meal, and Raymond eventually took over ownership, changing the name to Raymond's Fine Foods. There were a few echoes of the Philippines at Raymond's place in Elizabethton, but his menu largely consisted of regional favorites, like coleslaw. Here's how he made it. You mix together the following ingredients. One small head of cabbage, grated. One small head of lettuce, cut up. One green pepper, grated. Two carrots, grated. Three tomatoes, diced. One cup of celery, diced one small onion, grated, and one cup of sugar. Then pour over that mixture a dressing consisting of one tablespoon of salt, one half teaspoon of black pepper, one half cup of vinegar, and one cup of mayonnaise. Raymond Batista died in 2006 at the age of 97, long after his restaurant closed, but people still talk about his coleslaw. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Saussman. 
Hi, this is Elaine Strano, Executive Director, Second Harvest Food Bank. Our website is secondharvestetn.org, and you're listening to Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website tennesseefarmtable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.